What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and today we're going to take a look at the Indianapolis Colts' 26-20 victory over the Houston Texans. This was a weird game, and I wanted to watch it to see what did the backfield look like for Indianapolis, how did the weapons look, how is Phillip Rivers looking right now, kind of going into the fantasy playoffs. Did Deshaun Watson have to do everything for the Texans? Spoiler, yes. And, you know, who was he targeting? How did it look overall? Because we really need to know what these options are going to do going into the fantasy playoffs. And I hate to say that there was a lot of indecision on how everything was ferreted out. So I wanted to take a deeper dive and watch this game. When I came out on the Indianapolis side, you know, I didn't mind the way that Phillip Rivers played at all. The line did a good job of keeping him upright for the most part, especially in the first half. This was a weird game overall. They scored all but two of the points that was scored in this game in the first half. So you'd think it was decided, but it was still an up and down roller coaster ending with this fumbled snap. It was just a weird situation. So I had to take a look and see kind of what happened and you know, I kind of forgot until I got there that the fumble had ended the game. So I thought that was interesting to get slapped with that twice in the same week that, you know, they lost this game by that fumble. It was interesting that he, they even had a chance to win the game. You would have thought the way that the Colts got after Deshaun Watson that this game would have been an absolutely bigger win for Indianapolis. But Deshaun Watson is such a gamer that he brought them back and got them through it. So we'll get more into Deshaun and the Texans when we get over there, but let's keep going with the Colts. So Phillip Rivers has fastball to some degree. It's still not the greatest deep ball I've ever seen. And of course, you're probably not starting him at any point for the rest of the year. It wasn't something we were really counting on in the first place outside of two quarterback leagues. And the Colts have an interesting schedule. You know, they've got the Raiders, they've got the Texans, and then they've got the Steelers in the final round. Unfortunately, they got the Jaguars in week 17. So it's not exactly a plum schedule when you have the Steelers at the end, but the Raiders have been taken advantage of recently. And of course, these same Texans might have trouble putting up the same type of fight they did today. So I got to think you're okay with at least the first two weeks, and then you get the dreaded Steelers at home. So that could be tough as far as counting on your Colts for that matchup. And that's really bad because that's the money round. That's when you really seal up victories and the like. But I don't think you were counting on Phillip Rivers, and I don't think any of those matchups are good enough. Maybe the Texans that I might be starting him at that point, but it tends to swing the other way as far as performances go when it's not top-flight talent when you play a team a second time. So Phillip Rivers might not have as easy a time moving the ball down the field, throwing the ball if he draws the Texans again. But the Texans don't have a particularly strong pass rush. So Phillip gets a little bit more time to sit back there. He's a statue. They know where they're going to him. So it's tough. You have to give him time. And they, and they have a decent offensive line. It's just they've had some injuries this year, and now they're, they're going to be missing LaRaven Clark as well, who was filling in at left tackle in the first place. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Like I said, I don't think that any of the matchups are sweet enough where if I have a better situation at quarterback, I'm probably starting Phillip Rivers. However, from a real-life standpoint, it seems like he's playing well enough and they have enough options around him where the Colts can do damage on a given day. So 
I got to think they're going to be in the mix for the playoff hunt after this win. Plus, they've got the Texans, Jaguars, Raiders. Those are winnable games right there. So I think they'll be in the mix. It's just a question of can they keep Phillip upright and can the weapons continue to work for him? It was really encouraging for the second straight week to see old school T.Y. Hilton out there. You know, up until the two weeks ago, he wasn't really on the radar. You probably could have picked him up pretty easily because he'd just been so off the radar for the season, but he's looked good in the last two weeks. Now, it's a little spicy for me that you have to rely on him just going into the playoffs, but at the same time, he did look good, and it does bring a dynamic element to the offense to have him across from Pittman and then also have Moali Cox, Jack Doyle, Trey Burton out there running routes for Phillip. So it's a good situation from a real-life standpoint. Like I said, it does make it a little spicy as far as you know him sticking him in as a second wide receiver. Maybe if he's your third wide receiver, I'm a little bit more excited about that. But he looked good. And it didn't seem all that fluky the way he was playing. Now, granted, like I said before, the Texans didn't offer as much in the pass rush situation as some of the teams might. Raiders have been rushing the passer pretty decently. So, And, of course, Pittsburgh leads the league in sacks. So that's a problem. But at the same time, they get the Texans at one point. So I think you're going to be able to count on that. And if they get down, they're going to have to throw the ball. And Phillip Rivers still can throw the ball. While it's not anything close to his peak, and he's probably going to be done after this year, I would think. Maybe they bring him back if they can't find a better situation, but he's kind of losing it a little bit. But he's got enough in the tank. I think they've got enough weapons out there where if they can stay healthy and continue to keep him upright, it may be a situation that you can target with T.Y. Because like I said, T.Y. definitely looked like he had something. And then Pittman, eh. I'm not as excited about him either, but it seems like those are the two main options that are going to get the targets. But T.Y. stepped in and got most of the targets today. That's why I'm kind of willing to roll the dice a little bit with him in the fantasy playoffs. I think I'm going to need to see him repeat it, though, next week for sure against Las Vegas. It's one of those things I got to keep seeing it. He's got to keep rolling the dice and keep making it for me to really be in just because it hasn't been all season. And then now we're talking about the fantasy playoffs where things absolutely matter so I'm not really looking at any of the other other pass catching options with all the tight ends healthy it would take some injuries there for me to really get excited about anything there I love the physical profile of Moali Cox I hope they continue to use him more but with all three of them healthy I don't even think I can look at Trey Burton you know especially with the one for 11 today but uh, they still target him a little bit more than that but Still not something I'm excited about, even with the scores, even with some of the wildcat stuff they did with them early in the season. They're using Jacoby Brissett more in that role now. As far as the running backs go for the Colts, this was the main reason that I watched this game. I wanted to see how they ferreted out the carries, how did, how involved was Naheem Hines, how involved was Jordan Wilkins, because I'd seen the total and I'd seen the long touchdown from Jonathan Taylor. And while he was involved, absolutely. And, you know, it was awesome to see him kind of get loose. And he does look like the best back they have. It's not that much more appreciable difference than Naheem Hines, really. He's bigger and he's more traditional. But they still use Naheem Hines in a lot of the pressure situations, in a lot of the upfront passing type situations. 
So it's not exactly a situation where I'm excited about any one of the three backs that they use. You know, Jordan Wilkins also gets in there and steals some of the carry. So it's just a situation where there's too many cooks in the kitchen as far as that goes. And then when it's not a plum matchup or if it's the whim of Frank Reich or the running backs coach or whoever it is that makes those decisions for them, it's not great to have to rely on that overall, you know, especially if the Colts get down and they start having to pass the ball too much, Jonathan Taylor isn't as likely as Naheem Hines to be involved with that. You know, he got, you know, Jonathan Taylor got the receptions today. That's great. I love that he was more involved and he got the big touchdown. That was great. You know, he finished it off. He was running things hard, but they really didn't lean on him exactly until the end of the game. You know, there was times where he got touches and the like, but it was the fact that the Colts were trying to finish off the Texans that really pushed his carry total to where it was. That makes me a little concerned because I don't know that they're going to get up on teams like they got up on the Texans today. And I just don't know if that's something I'm wanting to count on, which kind of puts him on the flex kind of radar for sure. But probably want to see if you have better scenarios that have a little bit more secure role. Because the role is going to be a little up and down with Hines, with Taylor, with Wilkins, and then with the fact that if they get down, one of them or all of them could be phased out at that point. It's not exactly what I wanted to see when I watched it because I wanted to have a little bit more confidence that Jonathan Taylor was going to take the lead role, but that's been the whole thing the whole season. And I got to think that there's not a lot of loyalty with the way they ferret out those touches. And for next year, somebody's probably going to get a discount on Jonathan Taylor and he might blow up for sure, but it's going to be more of a lottery ticket thing than he was this year. So we'll have to see how that part of it plays out, but I'm just not as excited as I wanted to be after watching that, even though Jonathan Taylor looked explosive, he definitely looked like the best back they have in the more traditional sense. Naheem Hines absolutely still has burst and they should continue to phase him in and use him in the passing game and the like. I just wish for fantasy purposes it was somebody was a little bit more dominant so I could count on them and be more excited about it. Let's move over to the Houston Texans. You know, once again, Deshaun Watson's show. This guy is running away from pressure constantly. The fact that they didn't win this game, I can completely put on the offensive line. You know, they do a terrible job of protecting Deshaun. He's having to, like I said, constantly, constantly, constantly move and run away from pressure. I'd love to see what he got to do with a little bit more calm pockets this year, but that hasn't been the case. And to his credit, he has taken advantage of the rushing lanes. He has been more willing to run the ball. He has put the Houston Texans on his back repeatedly this year. And any wins that they have are because of him. Without him, they're an 0-16 situation. You know, you put another quarterback behind this line, you put Carson Wentz behind this line, the same thing is happening. And they haven't even had the injuries that the Eagles have had. That's what's freaking pathetic about the situation is that they haven't even had the injuries and they still just have one appreciable lineman in Laramie Tunsil. And they had to pay two first-round picks, a second-round pick, and they had to pay him $22 million a year. It's not a good use of assets. And I can't keep lamenting the things that Bill O'Brien did and the way this team has been set up. But it pisses me off for Deshaun Watson and for Houston Texans fans that he's had to run away from pressure so much that the Houston Texans aren't better with him, that they've done a terrible job of surrounding him with offensive line talent. 
and and it's not that they haven't tried to put resources into it. They absolutely have. But the fact that they've come out with so little, especially on the right side, the right side is my big problem side. And today on the safety, I think I broke a little bit as far as this team goes, because you can't even pick up a simple stunt. Really? There's two of you for two guys and you just don't see it Fulton at all. And then it's Justin Houston and he's getting a free shot at Deshaun in the end zone. It's freaking pathetic. And you've got to get rid of both of them, Fulton and Howard. They're both done. He has to run away from their guys all too often. And when the center, Nick Martin and and Sharpling aren't that much appreciably better, it just makes for a lot, a lot of times where Deshaun is just having to move way too much. It's one thing to have to do so every so often. And you know what? Deshaun Watson is great out of the pocket throwing the ball. It's wonderful, but he shouldn't be having to do it nearly every time he drops back. I felt like he was getting pressured. I made the film. We're going to take a look at that later in the week. To see, so you can see what I saw was even the times where he's completing passes, he's having to run away from people, and it's just because he is that good. He's a great quarterback. I love to watch him play, and it just makes me angry that they don't have a better situation around him, and it's going to take some really good luck and some really good drafts to really get that done. And guess what? You don't have your first or second round pick this year. So how are you supposed to get that much appreciably better when everybody else does, when the Dolphins are going to use your pick on a wide receiver? You know, I've been talking for weeks that they might not sign Will Fuller, you better re-sign Will Fuller. Who else do you have to re-sign at this point? Because if you don't, the offense is going to be in a really, really rough way. And I don't know how much that money is going to be. Let's hope it's around $12 million after the after the suspension. And we'll get more into the suspension and what happened there in the wide receiver portion of it. But I got to think it's gone down a little bit at least, at least for one year. But we'll see because the market's crazy and he's fast and he was finally healthy. And you know what? Him remaining healthy and getting suspended nearly as good for him because that was the big issue. Can he stay healthy for a full season? And now he's not going to have to prove it as much because he was healthy and crushing it beforehand. Now, part of the reason they were crushing it, they have to pass the ball. They can't run hardly at all. And it just not a great situation overall for this team. The fact that they had as many rushing yards as they did was because of Deshaun. And that has been a big thing for his fantasy value. Clearly the touchdown run, the triple option thing they did today was beautiful. I love to see that. I want to see more creativity from the Texans. They got to have a new brain trust. Like I said, they got to have a new brain trust with the GM. And even though they played appreciably better with Romeo Cornell, I just can't imagine that's a situation they're going to crystallize and try to move forward with. So hopefully for Deshaun, they don't. I still think that the guy who was kind of letting this all happen is still kind of in charge for the Texans. So I don't know if they got rid of all the rats as far as the ship going down, but still it's not great. And I want more for Deshaun because he is such a big time NFL talent and I want good things for him and he deserves them because he plays so hard. Nobody is hating losing more than this guy. Like he is so pissed off. You can tell in his play, in his body language, the whole thing that he hates losing. So if you want to try and lose him forever, you want to try and kick off the player empowerment movement in the NFL, Houston Texans, don't surround him with talent and see what happens in that next contract because he will force your hand. He's going to go John Elway, Eli on you somehow. He's going to force your hand if you don't put some talent around him. 
he's got that kind of leverage. He might kick off the player empowerment movement in the NFL at that point. Luckily, you got him to agree to the big contract. He took the security. Luckily for you, that's the case. But he didn't sign the same deal as Patrick Mahomes, so you don't have him for super ever. You need to put some talent around him and so he doesn't force his way out at some point. Because he has that type of leverage because he is so good and because they put so much on him because of the offensive line. It's the offensive line. It's not the receivers. Today, you know, they had Kiki QT, Chad Hansen, Brandon Cooks, Akins, Fells. They're all out there. Fells, of course, hasn't done much recently. But they're all out there. And when he turns Chris Hansen into five for 101, Kiki QT, guns up, six for 141. It's not Deshaun. It's not the receivers. It is the offensive line. And it's not even the running backs either. David Johnson has an appreciable amount of talent too. So you just got to get better, man. You got to commit resources. I hope you have enough cap to sign somebody on to the right side. I haven't looked at the free agents yet, but that's going to be the biggest thing that they need to do. And the thing is they have so many holes on defense too. Their secondary is terrible. It's, it's just so many holes that they need to fill for this team to be competitive, but they have got to invest in the offensive line, especially right tackle, especially right tackle. Gotta have it. Now I mentioned Kiki QT, Chad Hansen, Brandon cooks. Those are the main receivers on the day. It is a little disappointing for Brandon cooks that Kiki and Chad were so targeted and that he didn't garner more of the targets. That would have been probably the wide receiver that I'm excited about most starting up until that point, but it's hard to say which one you would go to at this time. Kiki looked good and they were targeting the hell out of him without Randall Cobb in there, which another blunder, they could have been playing Kiki QT on under a million dollars, but they're paying Randall Cobb 9 million. Mm. Now Kiki has had a trouble staying on the field. You got to bake his kind of smallish frame into your, you know, thought process as far as starting him, but he did look good out there. He looked like their best receiver. Brandon Cooks was, you know, kind of under the radar and Chad Hansen kind of had like the most forgettable five for one-on-one I think I've ever seen. Kind of recognized him down the stretch, but before that it was kind of hard to see him. So we'll see what they do as far as the targets go, but I don't know who I'm most excited about and how it's going to be predictable going down the stretch for the Texans. So that makes me have a little bit of pause as far as what I'm thinking there, especially Bears, Colts, and then if you can make it there, Bengals. Now, you're starting Deshaun no matter what. None of those matchups scare me for Deshaun exactly. It's the wide receivers and that you just can't really predict which one it's going to be at this time. Maybe you could use them in a wide receiver three situation if you're desperate, especially, you know, Kiki, you know, it could be a pickup if you're super desperate, but you're probably not super desperate if you made it to the playoffs at this point. So I got to think that's more of an outside situation. He could still produce. It's just the fact that it's so locked in right now as far as, you know, the playoffs are happening and you would have to count on that just right off the bat. So I don't know. I think I'm probably going to go be going with my more established options, but with the way the injuries have happened with the suspension, it did look like Kiki was going to be a bigger part of the offense. So guns up. Let's hope he can continue because I like the guy, but I just don't know how much I'm trusting it in fantasy at this point. And finally, the, we already talked about the Texans offensive line and it's, you know, it's not allowing them to run the ball much. 
You know what, though? I, I got to back off the offensive line a little bit, too. It's not a great scheme, either. I don't, not particularly a big fan of anything that's going on here. So I can't put it all on them, but I'll tell you, they're not running the ball all that successfully either. And David Johnson has an appreciable amount of talent. Absolutely. I see way worse running backs than him getting carries and getting touches and doing more with them because they have a better situation as far as running the ball. And when they're using Duke Johnson as much as they do to catch the ball and still run, it's just not a good situation. And David paid off today because he got in the end zone. But I don't think that's something I'm going to be trying to count on. Hopefully you didn't draft him in the third or fourth round as far as, you know, you thought there might be that great situation for the Texans. But I don't see that changing at any point going forward, maybe against Cincinnati. Because the Texans might be able to get up on Cincinnati and maybe need to run the ball. But I don't see that happening against the Bears. I don't see that happening against the Colts. Now, the Bears, eh, they haven't been as strong on defense. But still, when you're the Texans line and you're not going to be blowing them off the ball, I still don't think that's something I'm going to try and get a part of as far as David Johnson goes. But still, I have to say that you know while it was a terrible trade and while you'd much rather have DeAndre Hopkins, at least David Johnson does have something. Maybe not $13 million worth of something either, but something at the, at the very least. Well, that's what I've got for this game. Like, listen, subscribe. And of course, like I've been saying, download the podcast. That's the biggest one. Let me know you're here. If you've listened to this point and haven't downloaded, go back and download it and then delete it, whatever. But I got to know you're here through the downloads. The listens isn't quite as big a deal for whatever reason. But take the information. We're hard charging into the playoffs. Go out there, use the information, win your league, and have a great rest of your day.